Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Elliot, and I am joined today by Rob Ross. Rob Ross is uh, the, an executive director at NC Live, but previously... We knew each other from his time over at OCLC when uh, he helped, uh, in this class, he's helped already, he helped set up the OCLC lab space that we've been using. So um, without further ado, um, here's Rob Ross. And uh, Rob, if you could tell everybody uh, your current job and what you've you've done in libraries, just give a a little introduction. Sure. Thanks, Elliot. Yeah, it's great to be here and great to talk to you all. Um, as Elliot said, I'm the executive director at NC Live, and we are a not-for-profit library consortium. We're based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we have 201 libraries who are members, and that spans public libraries, community college, and academic. So we're all one big family, and it covers almost every library in the state. Um, Before that, as Elliot said, I worked at OCLC, and while I was there, I was the Director of Implementation Services. So I had a team of about 22, 23 folks, and they would implement all the software that is sold in the Americas. So ILSs, um, ERMs, um, discovery systems, really anything you can buy from OCLC that requires implementation they would do. Uh, and we would also do consulting. So we would help libraries uh, change their workflows, figure out how to streamline business processes, things like that. Cool. Well, let's yep. go ahead and jump right into the, our first question. Um, and I'm going to have to modify this a little bit because you work with so many libraries. But what are the basic technical needs of your libraries, and what in particular uh, do you guys need out of your library system? Yeah, this, this is a good question. And as I thought through these questions, I was thinking more about here at the mothership. So what we do at NC Live rather than the libraries because they're so different. You know, like my answer for a public would be so different from an ARL. So um, here in the building, you know, what we do is we manage e-resources exclusively. So everything we purchase and manage on behalf of our libraries is, is an electronic resource. So we've got Materials. We've got ebooks. We've got streaming videos. Um, you know, we've got um, digital, digitally preserved like um, uh, content that's original research content. So we've got all that stuff. And so for that, to manage all that, we really need a strong discovery system to tie it together because we want to offer you know this this notion of a you know one search to get to everything. Um, since everything we have is E, we're in a bit of a more advantageous situation because uh, people can you know, click on something they like, whether it's a video or a book or a serial, and as long as they've got their library card to log in, they can get to it. So, so currently we use Summon as our discovery system. You know, no system's perfect, as you guys probably know, but you know, we feel it does a good job, um, and it really is, for a lot of our patrons, the only thing they use to get to content. Um, 
the other platform we use is our ebook platform. And currently we use Biblioboard, which is out of Charleston, South Carolina. It's maybe not as well known as some of the other players, but you know, we've had uh, success with those with Biblioboard in particular. Um, folks that want ebooks tend to gravitate towards an ebook platform. So often folks will go to Summon, they'll do some some searching, they'll find an ebook, and then suddenly they're on this ebook platform, Biblioboard, and they tend to stay there because it's so much better from a visual perspective. You know, it's got cover art and table of contents and all that stuff. Um, the last thing I'll mention on this um, in terms of the tech needs for our library um, is that we, we currently manage a lot of licenses. So, so when I sign a deal with you know, EBSCO or ProQuest or fill in the blank, um, I'm doing mm -hmm. it on behalf of the entire state of North Carolina. And so mm -hmm. right, right now those licenses sit in Google Drive. It's a little embarrassing, but that's where they go. Um, they don't do much there. They just sit there. Uh, and I'll consult them when I need an answer. But it really doesn't do libraries any favors because someone may want to know, you know, can I print this article and send it through for interlibrary loan or, or you know, license type questions. And currently there's no way for them to see it. So um, actually this month I've been assessing some ERMs, electronic resource management systems, to figure out which one we want. Um, the three players in this space, if you, if you really want to geek out on ERMs, um, the first one is Coral, and that's an open source uh, system invented by a guy at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, another one is Gold Rush, which came out of the Colorado Alliance for Research Libraries. Um, and that one's, that one's been around for, for probably a good 10, 15 years. And then there's a brand new one called Consortium Manager, which I'm going to say it's sketchy. It's not sketchy. It's just so new. There's not a lot of information on it online. So you'll find like one article out of Denmark and some website that's just not very uh, detailed. So that one's interesting and a lot of people are looking at it. The cool thing about that is it, as the name implies, Consortium Manager, it was built with consortium in mind, which generally systems aren't. Generally a system is built for a library, and then people remember, oh yeah, there are these consortia. Uh, we should really do something for them. And you end up kind of retrofitting it. Um, so anyway, that one's interesting, at least right now, um, based on the way it was built from the ground up for, for organizations like ours that are serving lots of libraries. So anyway, I'll pause there. But those are yeah. the systems yeah, that w we either use or are thinking about using here at the mothership. Obviously our libraries use more than we could ever talk about. <laughs> So you, you, you're looking at um, open source ERMs right now, is, is that correct? Or are you yeah, looking at uh, vendor supplied as well? Yeah, you know, um, Coral is the only true open source among those three. Uh, consortium oh, okay. Manager, yeah, Consortium Manager is commercial as far as we can tell. The website is so skimpy, we're not even sure about that yet. Uh, Gold Rush was invented um, by, I want to say it's the University of Denver. Um, but now it's sold for a nominal fee, like 3000 bucks a year. So that's not, I wouldn't call that open source exactly, but, um, but yeah, so we're, we're considering that there are some vendor solutions, but you know, honestly, ERMs are one of those products that they're not a moneymaker. Um, so even for example, um, Cersei Dynix recently, instead of building their own ERM, they just decided to partner with Coral. So they, they're partnering with an open source organization. They're kind of reskinning it within the Cersei Dynix products. Um, mm. and, 
another announcement along those lines recently was um, hopefully get my vendors right. I believe EBSCO uh, partnering with Koali Olay um, on on integrating Olay into the EBSCO suite of products. So um, anyway, so there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in this space where you know open source products that have been successful are being adopted by for-profit vendors uh, because it's just honestly cheaper to borrow it than to build it. So anyway, that's that's an interesting phenomenon. We you know I think everybody should keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Great. Cool. Well, um, could you tell us about a time when your library was required to purchase a new piece of library technology? And what advice would you give to a new librarian? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to approach this from my OCLC days. So I, I think this would be more interesting is, is sort of saying when I was at OCLC and libraries would ask us for stuff, <laughs> like who mm -hmm. did we respond well, who do we respond well to and who did we not respond well to? And Hopefully that'll let you guys know on the library side, you know, how do I say this in a way that's going to get the vendor's attention, right? So um, we would talk to so many libraries that wanted us to build functionality or change the system or, or do whatever. And um, I would say, you know, when you're, when you're doing this um, assessment, I think one thing to start with is, don't just sort of say, okay, well, we had system X for 10 years, and now we're shopping for system Y, and we've selected a vendor, and now we're talking to the vendor. The, the worst thing you could do is try to make system Y exactly the same as system X. Um, it'll, you'll be tempted to because you're familiar with it, you've had it for a long time, you've built workflows around it, your, um, your manual <laughs> is based on the old product, but that's really dangerous because you know, the whole reason people go shopping for new systems is because there's something wrong with the old one. You know, either it's worn out, it's not keeping up with today's demands. There's some reason that's compelling you to buy a new system. So, you know, with that, I always encourage libraries to start with their business goals. Um, you know, what do we want to accomplish? What's our library all about? Let's relook at our mission statement and make sure it aligns with these workflows in fill-in-the-blank department. Um, start there because often the things you do, the things you and your staff spend time on, they were developed, you know, 10 years ago or longer, and maybe they had a really good purpose back in the day. You know, we're gonna we're gonna check in print serials on a Cardex. Okay, 20 years ago that was like, you know, a great mm -hmm. way to manage print serials. Now almost no one buys print serials. Um, they're all you know electronic. A Cardex, if you tell that to a library school student like this audience, they're probably going to have to Google it. But, but honestly, if you don't question that and say, well, you know what, maybe we can retire the Cardex, or maybe we could not check in print serials because there are so few of them. Um, if you don't take time to question that and then, and then say, okay, well, if that doesn't matter, now what do we want the new system to do? Maybe we don't have to worry about that functionality. I think that's the healthiest way. And, the other tip I would say is, is look at all of your workflows through the, through the lens of the patron. So um, if you know um, Lean Six Sigma um, methodology that they use in manufacturing, one of the really cool things that Lean does in particular is, is the, the process forces you to ask yourself, would a patron pay for this? And the this could be uh, checking in serials. The this could be running a report. You know, um, so if the answer to that is, okay, I'm running this report, we've been running it every day for as long as I can remember, if you say, well, would a patron pay for it? 
The answer is no, if you're being honest, right? No patron is going to pay for you to run a report. And so if you put that, that workflow in on a list of potential workflows to get rid of, you really challenge yourself to say, well, maybe this doesn't have the value we thought it did. And what would happen if we just stopped running the report? Are we going to get in trouble? Am I going to get fired? Probably not. But for everything you could say, we're not going to do this anymore, and we're not going to expect the new system to do it, you've just freed up time. And then you could look to the things that you know patrons would love, you know, new services, new, new programs, whatever, and suddenly you have time to do those things. So, so yeah, I, I just encourage people to start with workflows and figure out which ones you want to keep, which ones you want to keep doing. And then look to look to systems and say, okay, does this system meet those business needs? Because um, if you don't, if you skip over it, you'll end up with a system a lot like the one you left, and then you'll be wondering why do we bother? <laughs> Absolutely. Now that those okay. are all great points. And just to clarify for those yeah. young whippersnappers out there, checking <laughs> in print serials was um, it's a workflow still done at some libraries. Um, a lot of them have gotten away from it, but basically what you're doing is you're uh, as soon as a new issue of a serial comes in, uh, you would typically either in your library system or on a, um, a punch card type of a system, a, a paper-based system, you would check in that you got the latest issue. And if you didn't get the latest issue, you would uh, go to your vendor and let them know, hey, we didn't get this month's issue of this particular serial, and they would send you a new one. Um, <laughs> now... A lot of libraries nowadays have taken the approach of, hey, you know, we aren't really doing very much of this anymore, and uh, worst-case scenario, we don't actually get the print serial, and we can just ILL it and get it to someone very quickly anyway. How about we just take what we get, put it on the shelf, and uh, how should I say, let, let, the, uh, let the cards fall where they may? <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so right. That, and yeah, and I would Go just ahead. say, just because just I, I don't want to make, I don't want to understate it, but I visited, I visited, you know, hundreds and hundreds of libraries, and if you go into some of the smaller ones, you know, maybe not an ARL, but maybe a mid-sized academic or a small academic, this that job of checking in serials, it it, it was like someone's either full-time job or they might spend half their day doing that. Like this was yes. a big thing. And so, so just to put it in perspective, but as again, as as these print serial subscriptions have gone down, um, you know, these people are still there, and that's their area of expertise. So, if you're the director, or or if you work at that library, you have to question that and say, you know, um, the employee certainly has value, but that task maybe doesn't have the value it used to have. So, what what would happen if we stopped? What's the risk? And suddenly you freed up half of a person's time or maybe a full-time person, which is huge. And then that person, in theory, if they're trained up, they can do something that's more relevant. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. And that's probably an extreme example, but there are lots of little workflows like that in libraries that used to make a lot of sense and have a lot of value, and patrons definitely would have paid for it because it had value to them. But now you look at it and it just doesn't. And it's not doesn't make anything wrong. It just sort of remind you that, hey, if we stop this, there's not a lot of risk, and we would free up a lot of someone's time to do something else that, that's going to be more valuable. For sure, for sure. All right, well, last question. Yep. Uh, have you ever been required to work with library developers or library vendors on technology? Yep. Uh, I know the answer to that is yes. And if so, what was your experience like, and what would you tell other librarians to be mindful of? 
Yeah, this is the question I started to answer last time. I got my questions confused, so, <laughs> so it may sound familiar. But um, again, at OCLC, we would have libraries ask us to um, develop new functionality or to change the, the current system. And um, we would always respond well if the library was open to letting us, the vendor, do it our own way. And so the, the, the libraries that we worked with that were the easiest to work with and that got the best results were ones that said, you know, here's the business goal we have. Um, so to give you an example, they might say, okay, we're talking about the circulation module. Uh, we need our patrons to be able to see everything they've got checked out in their patron account. So that, that is like a high level business function and it's vague. You know, I mean, as long as patrons can do this, in the, in the patron account, we're good as the library, we're happy. That leaves a ton of freedom to the vendor to design it in whatever way makes the most sense uh, in the context of their overall design. Because you can imagine vendors aren't selling to one customer, right? They've got hundreds if not thousands of customers. So if, let's just say it's a thousand customers, if each one of the thousand said, oh no, I want, you, I want it to look this way, or I want it to be blue, or I want it to be in the top left corner, you quickly realize I can't make everybody happy. But if someone says, oh yeah, you know, patrons should be able to see the stuff they have checked out in a patron account, that's reasonable. And now I can design it as the vendor in a way that makes a lot of sense for me. Um, so libraries that stayed at that level, you know, they weren't trying to like write the code for us. <laughs> they weren't like trying to control every pixel on the screen. Those are the ones that got the best results because we could work with that. But when we'd get a library that would say, um, for the same requirement, they would say, uh, we want a box in the top right corner of the patron account screen, and we sh it should say click here for checkout. It should also have a drop-down menu. Like you can see right away, they're being way too detailed. And as a vendor, you really don't know what to say because if that doesn't fit your overall design and your overall UI, you're going to have to politely say, no, we can't do it that way. Um, or if the next library you talk to wants it in the bottom left corner, <laughs> you're, you're going to be disappointing somebody. So we would always try to get libraries to stay at that high level. Like, what do your patrons need to do? If you can tell us at that level, we can, we can almost always accommodate you. But if you're going to start telling us, the, the color schemes and the placement of UI elements. We just can't work with that unless we charge you a fortune and you have like a one-off bespoke system, which, which is not ideal. Um, okay, so I'll pause, Ellie. You may have some more, <laughs> so a follow-up question or two, but, but I thought that was a good place to start. Yeah, I think that, I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you've got to keep it, uh, I think one of the keys is a librarian when you're working with any kind of technology developers to just keep focused on the goal, the end goal, um, what it is you want to accomplish. And uh, you work out the details as you go along. That's what I've always thought of. It probably drives some people crazy to think like that, but those are the best results when you just focus on, okay, what are we trying to get done here? Mm -hmm. And then uh, we'll work out the little details along the way. And uh, there may be some things visually that don't quite work right away. But, you know, you'll get through those as you go along, uh, especially with an ILS or a big system that's also being sold to other people. There's going to be cases where you just have to live with some things that don't quite make everyone happy. That's just going to be the way it is. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I totally echo what, what, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, so any other questions or? 
No, that's going to be it. And uh, thank you for joining us today. I thought that was a great first interview of this semester. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Elliot. Thanks so uh, good luck, everybody. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus